This is the Let's Get Real Estate Show with your host, Danielle Chason. Full-time investor, strategic consultant, motivational coach, sought-after speaker, and host of your number one real estate investing show, Let's Get Real Estate, where real people are doing real estate. Hey, everybody. It's Sarah Larby, and I am on Let's Get Real Estate today with Danielle Chason, your wonderful host, and we have a great conversation. Danielle asked the questions that are tough. The questions that everybody wants to know. And so you're going to want to tune in. I, uh, I share a lot of personal stuff along the way and, uh, and some of the new projects that I'm also working on and why I decided to go from not working with any joint ventures or partners, doing my own thing, to doing many things with partners. So you're going to want to stay tuned to figure out why. And uh, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey, everybody. It's Danielle Chason here with the Let's Get Real Estate podcast. I am your host, and today we have Sarah Larby on the show. Woo, woo. Hey, hey, Sarah. Hey, how are you? Oh, my goodness. I'm doing awesome. It's a beautiful sunny day today, and I know I pulled you off of your back deck. I'm so sorry, but thank you so much for coming on the show and, uh, and uh, you know, contributing your time, which I know is very valuable, to uh, share with my audience. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, yeah. I am super stoked because the conversation that we're going to have today is going to be all about what people are chasing, getting into real estate usually, um, and that is lifestyle. And so I know personally, a lot of people get into real estate. A lot of people, there's a saying in real estate, "Mm," and they said real estate was easy. So it is a lot of work. It doesn't come without, you know, without the work, without uh, grinding and putting in your time and the stress. But at the same time, you have been a master at protecting that time. So I want to get into that. But before we do, if you could offer a little bit of a background to the audience about how you got into real estate, because you got a really interesting story about how you got into real estate Um, And that was just Googling, right? So can you share that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, I mean, it feels like a while back now. We were going to the bank. It was uh, TD Bank at the time. And the the person there was, you know, doing more of like a financial assessment of of what we had and what we owed and all that good stuff. And she asked us what our assets and our liabilities were. And the fact that we didn't even know what those words meant was actually a good wake up call as we had been working for, you know, a little bit of time and had nothing to show for it. And uh, yeah, so just Googled, you know, what an asset and the liability was when I got home. And, and then, you know, it got, went from there to, you know, how to become wealthy and how to leave your job faster without having to, you know, wait until you're 60 to 65 to retire, um, how to, you know, create passive income. And so I, I became obsessed with Googling these terms and, and then I started learning and then I found some, you know, great sites and podcasts and, and books and just really ultimately, I don't think there were many back then as many groups, networking groups. Uh, and so a lot of my, my education was actually American podcasts back then. There weren't even many Canadian podcasts and, uh, and, and kind of went from there. Yeah, I can I can speak to that because we got into real estate roughly about the same time and I got all my education down in the States too. And um, so I totally relate to that. But what happened is you you had so you didn't know you didn't know anything about business. You didn't even know what an asset or liability was. And here you are, um, you know, just hustling and making it happen in real estate. Um 
didn't you tell me that you had Googled how to get rich? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. And then what did you find? Well, real estate kept coming back as one of the three options, right? So it was like paper assets was one of them and dabbled in that in the beginning a little bit as well. Um, actually ended up getting my LLQP license and, and was a financial advisor for a very, very short amount of time. Um, you know, starting a business was uh, was another one and that seemed a little bit complex because uh, you got to find the right business that didn't have that many ideas back then. And real estate just just spoke to me. And, uh, and that's, you know, essentially the one that I chose to really own in on and focus on. And you are a hustler because back then you were already looking at, you know, what to do to exit out of your job in your twenties. You had two jobs. One was your, your career. And then one was working in retail, which is what I think most Canadians and Americans too do when they want to get ahead financially, they get a second job, but then you're limited to your time. There's only so much time in a day and your pay Mm -hmm. scale. So you decided to move into real estate and then bought your first property and then move. Now this was what, 2013 you said? Yeah. So we, we ended up closing on our first property in October of 2013. Um, and then I was probably researching for, I would say about two to three years I was learning. Um, and then working on convincing my spouse that real estate was the way to go. And that was, that was, a a battle in the beginning as well. Um, you know, he, he was a cop and so he saw the worst of, of the worst and the worst tenants. And um, the way that I convinced him is finally his sister needed a place to move to closer to her daughter's school. And that's how we got started where he also agreed to do it. I think that'll be great, a great topic to bring you back and talk about like just onboarding your naysayers, like especially your spouse. You need your spouse onboarded. That's a whole different. But today let's talk about lifestyle. So you went, you bought your first property, made a mistake, rented it to family and then, you know, and then just grew from there. So now you have, uh, now you have how much in assets under management in your portfolio? I couldn't couldn't even really actually tell you right now because we just bought six or seven other deals in the last two months. So I haven't done the calculations, but I will say, um, you know, buy and holds. Uh, there's probably right now 15 of those units that are finished. Um, I've got three development projects on the go. Uh, and then all of the new deals that we ended up buying in the last two months, now that the market's shifted, um, that also includes a 15,000 square foot commercial space that we're converting into 22 residential units. So, um, you know, I don't have it added up, but um, definitely I'm sure, you know, the, the increase uh, in the last, like probably since I left my job has, I don't know, maybe 10 X where I was prior to leaving my full-time job. Right. So now we've got like, we've got a, a few million under management and a few doors and all of that in less than 10 years. Like that is absolutely astounding to be able to travel that journey and, uh, and be where you're at. And you're at the cottage now. Like you do most of your work not, from the cottage. Yet. I'm actually leaving in, I'm leaving next week. Oh, gotcha. I gotcha. want to go to this multifamily conference <laughs> <laughs> and then I want to have a party here. Uh, and then, and then I'm going to, I'm going to leave. Well, <laughs> and then by the time I will be there all summer after that. By the time this airs, and I know you've said to me, um, it has to, we have to record this by X date because I'm taking the summer off. So like here you are, you've got lots of properties, lots of deals on the go. You've got some new development and you're going to the cottage for the summer and not 
working in real estate. So let's talk about that because I think that's what people really want to hear about because people get into real estate wanting that lifestyle, not to grind, but they want a comfortable lifestyle and know that they can carry that lifestyle into retirement. So how do you, Sarah, buy a property and then another property? You started with a single family home, went into another and another, and then you're dealing with tenants, you're dealing with repairs. Maybe you're going to burr the property and you have a big construction project that's $80,000, $120,000, which by the way, doesn't just do itself. That There's a lot of work behind that. So how do you do, and you're doing burrs now with partners. So how did you go from managing everything yourself to being able to go to the cottage? and uh, have Mm -hmm. financial freedom and leave your job. Yeah. I mean, I didn't want to create another hundred hour work week um, because before I left, I, I was burnt out. Like I was very burnt out and, and then COVID happened and it was almost like a blessing in disguise. I mean, it sucks obviously, but it was a blessing in disguise because it actually forced me to stop and forced me to reconsider and reanalyze where things were at. And I don't know if I would have even had the time to even think through that back then, just because I was working some insane hours. There's a lot of traveling that was required. I had an amazing job, um, you know, but then on top of that, I was doing the podcast. I was doing the right club. Like it just made my schedule like extremely full. And um, we do real estate for different reasons. For me, it was for the freedom. And when I started looking at where I was back in 2020, um, I, I didn't, you know, I think I probably could have left a little bit earlier, but realized that I, I didn't need my nine to five job. Uh, and I should say it was nine to five, but like, it, you know, there's obviously some longer hours along the way. Um, but I didn't necessarily need that in order to survive. And I think that that's a cool thing. And I always wanted to do real estate for freedom. And so, um, you know, decided that I was leaving and then I gave them a good, like six months, six months notice did, you know, didn't want to burn any bridges, had a great, great boss. Um, and then decided like, I, I think part of it is I was just, it was just a, a bad experience of like being so burnt out that I just wanted to make sure that like that never happened again. And, um, you know, over the years I had started delegating, um, different things, different tasks. And, and so I just kind of, you know, became a master delegator even more and started hiring staff and, and assistants and, uh, but I'll tell you, it's, it's, you know, it, this is why I can do this. And then also, you know, for some different projects, like I, I didn't, I left, I didn't even know what I was going to do in terms of my next projects, but things, things come and you have uh, the opportunity to do some really cool projects. Um, but finding the right partners, I think as well, um, for, you know, some of these larger deals that you, you know, that, you know, could I do them alone? Sure. Do I want to do them alone? No, not necessarily at this point. I think there's, opportunities to do things by yourself and there's opportunities to bring in joint venture partners there's opportunities to bring in different partners and on some of these deals I'm I brought in some people that have a lot of experience or have experience doing the things that I don't enjoy doing as much and so it's a good compliment to be able to share the workload and still protect my lifestyle along the way so you talked about like leaving your job and COVID kind of helped you make that transition I'm just wondering, there's a lot of people that are in real estate in the sense where they did what you did, they had a couple of properties and they want to quit, but there's that insecurity of, is it the right time? And am I going to have the funds? Am I going to be able to make this happen? When did you know, other than the fact that you were, that you were 
um, burning out. How, like, how did you know, was there a big component of faith saying, oh, I, I'm just going to have to make this happen? Because um, when you leave, you're, you're losing that income and that security blanket. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think partly it was also a conversation with my mortgage broker on like where I was, the income, um, refinancing, and just like having that cushion as well. Um, the cash flow helped, uh, you know, once, once I took some of the units, uh, into like the short term, midterm, uh, strategy that helps tenant turnover time in the market, all that stuff helps over time to create more cash flow. Um, and, and I think so it was a combination of that. And then just a combination of, I don't think you need exactly the same amount that you're leaving. Right. So like if you're making six figures at your job, do you really need the exact same amount in terms of cash flow? Probably not. Um, because you're not going to be taxed in the same bracket and, and many other factors. So uh, I just looked at the cash flow that I needed and, you know, anything else would be a bonus and then I could go from there and then still have my freedom. And at, at that point, my freedom was more important. And part of it probably was a leap of faith, but it was still planning strategically, refinancing what I could at that, that point. And it was still a six month process to, you know, by the time that I, I told them I was leaving to the time I actually left to make sure that all, all my ducks were in a row. So did you take, would you say you took a pay cut when you initially left? Like if you were to look at, if you were to look at the cash flow that you had um, and then you yeah. did some refinancing to try to supplement your income, but did you take, did you ultimately have to take a pay cut when you left your job? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, which, which I was fine with because what I was making at my job isn't necessarily what I need to be able to like, to live. Um, and you know, they were pretty generous. Uh, my last job, you know, as many other jobs I've had, I barely made any money, (laughs) but my last job was pretty generous. Um, even to the extent that they covered all our lunches and all our Starbucks coffees. And like, they were, you know, basically anything that, that I wanted, they were, you know, within reason, uh, willing to help support it. And, uh, so yeah, absolutely. But you know, it, it wasn't for me, it wasn't about replacing, you know, whatever it was, $100,000, $150,000 a year income. It was, okay, what are my expenses? Um, and, you know, am I going to be able to still like maintain my lifestyle, uh, you know, leaving and not making as much? And absolutely. I mean, I think one of the things that helped is, you know, we, we didn't move into a bigger house each time every couple of years and, and stretch ourselves. And so from a mortgage standpoint, you know, we still had an affordable, again, affordable back back then, um, house. Um, and we didn't say, okay, we got to get to the next house and the next house and the next house. For me, I'd rather stay in my original house and it's very nice, but it's not, you know, a mansion. Like, you know, you don't stretch yourself. Like, I just didn't want to stretch myself so thin that, you know, the freedom would, would be compromised of being able to leave early. Yeah. And I think a lot of people make that mistake where they're, you know, house rich and cash poor. What they do is they ultimately, they want the big house. They want to have a nice car. They want to have, you know, all this stuff. And then they're unable to uh, live or leave their job because everything they're making is going into their home and their cars and and whatever liabilities, other liabilities they take like a trip. Um, So I Mm -hmm. think that's really smart living within your means and having the bigger picture in mind. So would you say then for people that I think that's a big mistake that people make is that they refi and then they go spend money or they go buy a bigger Mm -hmm. house. Would you say that in the beginning, if you really want to reach that lifestyle freedom, 
you have to take some sacrifices and make concessions in the beginning while you're building in order to achieve the lifestyle that you're looking to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I also think it, it helps, right. When you're not comparing yourself to everybody and their brother, um, you know, sometimes Instagram is, is horrible for this kind of stuff, but you know, when I, so when I look at my, my house, it's a nice house. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've been here for, this is the only house in Oakville we've had essentially, like we haven't moved, but I think, you know, the other mindset piece is that I'm at the cottage literally from, you know, May to September, and then we can start traveling. Uh, Matt is now off for a year, hopefully more. So now he's creating that freedom uh, as well, which helps. And like, really, this is probably going to be a house we're going to live in for like two months out of the year. So two months out of the year, do I really need to be in a mansion? Absolutely not. I'd rather have, you know, the opportunity to be flexible with where I live and to be able to like, get rid of the winter months and travel. And so there's just, you know, I think it's just a matter of what's important to somebody. For me, um, you know, what's important to me is, is that freedom, the lifestyle, um, getting away from the cold weather, uh, (laughs) you know, enjoying my time with my friends. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to be hosting a party on Monday called every day is Saturday because you know, why not? Like, why do we have to have get togethers on the weekends only? And so I think it's just a matter of what's important to people and, and, you know, what, what they want to do for themselves. And, you know, this is not for others. Don't compare yourself to others. What's important for you? What's going to make you happy? And, you know, stick to that. And for me, it was that freedom and the lifestyle more than living in a big house. So here's a million dollar question. What is going to happen with that house for the other 10 months out of the year? Is it going to sit empty? <laughs> you know what? It's uh, it, it, That is a good question because if it was up to me, I'd probably put it on Airbnb. But uh I think Matt is is uh, still a little bit cautious with like people touching his stuff, and you know, for me, stuff is stuff. But um, we'll probably—I mean, it's slowly. Maybe I can convince him, but um, we'll probably just leave it as is and just have you know friends and family you know check up on it. Or, or um, I think we have some friends that are doing a reno in their kitchen, so we've offered them a place for the summer. Like, we'll probably do some stuff like that. Granted, it's not bringing any money. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. As an investor, like my knee jerk reaction is to put it on Airbnb and short-term rental that, oh, right? Sure. 100%. 100%. That, like, you know, I'm, I'm still working around it because you know, it's, it's nice. It's pretty much ready. Like we don't collect a lot of stuff, right? We don't buy a lot of stuff. So it's, it's clean. <laughs> it's minimal. It's good. <laughs> Yeah. All you need to do is like depersonalize it and then that's it. Right. Uh, and if you have like a three bedroom house, you just lock up the master bedroom and Airbnb it with the two other bedrooms and there yeah. you have it. Well, you know, we do have a three bedroom house and then we have our master bedroom, but then we got rid of the other two bedrooms and one's my office and one's our like yoga meditation room, which has a pull out gotcha. couch, but you know, we kind of made it ours when we don't have kids and you know, we don't need extra rooms. So we made one into whatever we wanted. And the yoga meditation room is the, what we decided to do with it. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense to me. I, uh, I have, I'm going to be an empty nester in a couple of years. One of my, uh, my oldest son has moved out. And so I'm repurposing that room. So I totally get it. Totally get that. It's like, yay, yes. I can have my podcast room. So, um, <laughs> so that, yeah. Um, so I want to go back to being able to scale and, and protect your lifestyle. So you had mentioned about partnering with people. 
um, or not. You said earlier in the podcast mm-hmm. that you could do this alone. Of course you could do this alone. You have the war with all and God only knows you're so driven and motivated and you always find a way to make things happen. You absolutely could do developments on your own. And there's an argument to be had on both sides of the fence where, well, why would I share the profit when I can do it alone? And then, mm-hmm. and then Sarah's like, well, no, I could do it alone, but I'm not. So there's an argument on the other side too. And I think that argument is when I partner with somebody, maybe I can do one deal by myself and get hundred percent of the returns. But if I partner with somebody, I can do two deals, maybe three where I'm getting 50% of two or three deals and hence, mm-hmm. and, and doing less work and to your point, less liability, because if you partner with somebody who knows what they're doing and they've done it before, um, you don't have to go through the, the learning curve and making those mistakes. So mm-hmm. uh, what would you tell people about that? Because myself too, for a long time, I, I didn't want to partner with anybody and it's probably the best thing I ever did is when I started partnering. Um, So what would you say having been on both sides of the fence and having to come to make that decision, what would you say is your thought process and what advice would you give to people out there who are sitting on the alone side or doing it myself? Yeah. I mean, I think that regardless, you know, everybody's going to have their goals and and the ways that they want to be passive or active and things, but like how, I looked at it was, you know, all my stabilized properties and what I purchased um, while I was still working in nine to five, I ended up doing by myself, A, because I didn't want to bring in somebody else when I was still so busy um, and I couldn't focus on, you know, if you're taking somebody's financing and money, like you've, you've got to be able to focus um, on that kind of stuff. And I was stretched too thin. So, um, but I also think that there is some value in building your own properties that you can have for 20 30 years, you have full control, you have full, full cash flow on it. Um, you know, and then you have like full control, uh, as well. And so, you know, but at, at some point, you know, if you have the right partners, this is where you could exponentially grow. Um, and, you know, especially if there are projects that you, you know, you're starting to do something that's a little bit bigger, like for me, the development, um, you know, could I have, uh, done it and learned, made mistakes along the way. Sure. Um, but I might as well figure out, okay, who would be the best partner to bring into this deal? I found this great off market opportunity. Um, and you know, it was, I mean, I think we are like from the, the purchase price, like we bought it for a steal. We got like four, I think it was four eighty five, three eighty five or four eighty five, anyways. Um, and we're going to be building, uh, they're going to be done in the early spring of 2023, um, and we sold six of those. I ended up buying one. Um, we sold the, uh, the five others to investors and students for, I think it was seven eighty nine each, uh, which is, which is great. So, um, but, you know, bringing in partners that have, you know, 20, 30 years of experience doing this over and over and over, um, and sharing, uh, a piece of the pie is a no brainer because you can also share the tasks and you're not going to be taking away from your lifestyle goals. Um, and so we have, you know, three development projects that I'm doing with, with Harry James and, um, his partner as well, Joe Ferreira. Um, and they both have, you know, 30 years of experience in real estate and many years of experience in development. Uh, and so we, you know, they're kind of bringing something very unique to the table that, for example, I may not have access to, right. Terry on building, uh, Joe's a Terry on builder. Harry's been doing this forever. Um, you know, they also have access to very good, um, private money terms and all that good stuff. So it it was a no brainer. 
Um, so there's three projects that we're doing. The, the townhouses that are two units each. There's two mixed use eight plexes. And then there is a cottage resort that I'm like, hey, we got to do this. And they thought I was crazy in the beginning, but I think they're going to have fun with it. Uh, we're building a boutique adults only uh, resort in the Kawarthas. That's going to be nice and upscale. And like all the cottages will have themes. And so we're having a ton of fun with that. Um, and then I've also got a lot of people wanting to join venture, um, with me. And, you know, I also, again, want to protect my lifestyle and, and be selective on, on what I do. Um, and then I met Lee and Ken, um, we, well, I mean, I've, I've known Ken for a while, but we started talking about, you know, what could we do partnering together in terms of scaling? Um, and you know, that skyrocketed in terms of like, you know, being able to find so many deals, um, and, and sharing the tasks and the workload that it, it just, it just makes sense. So I've partnered with people that are bringing something like Lee is, you know, from Wise Construction has, you know, uh, in like property management in-house, a realtor in-house, uh, plus, you know, all the construction crew in-house, um, you know, Ken being a BCIN designer, it just makes sense to do, uh, you know, many projects together with, with the, the skills that we all bring to the table. Um, and then, you know, bringing in opportunities for partners, uh, joint venture partners that, that want to partner with us. Um, and then it's still a win-win because everybody has, you know, they're what they're strong and good at doing and the other stuff, you know, the other person is strong and, you know, brings something different to the table. So I, I think that that's, you know, that's really how I choose my partners is, is what does each person bring to the table? That's completely different that you might need to be able to accelerate exponentially. And, you know, and I say ex accelerate exponentially, I don't actually want a thousand units. I really just want to have fun doing this, but I want good quality deals that make sense, um, over quantity. But, but most importantly, I think it's just, you know, it's fun. If you, if you're not having fun, what's the point of doing real estate? I absolutely agree. And I think a lot of us, when we first get in and yourself included, we just start and we grind and we go and we think that, you know, it has to be a grind, but I think you get to a certain level of knowledge where you can start shifting a little bit and structuring um, your business around your life too. And I think that's a big component for, for the um, experienced investors that are listening. I know there's many of them that can relate to that story where, okay, you know what, now, what is it that I need to do in order to get my lifestyle back? Um, and mm -hmm. then we do hit a fork in the road. I've been there, you've been there. And I know a lot of uh, our friends have gone through it or are there and trying to figure their way out of it. So I think it's really important too for people that are just starting out that are listening say that's part of the journey and keep in mind what your end goal is so that you can structure it. Um, what path you're taking moving forward to get to your goal and not get stuck in a rut. Um, you, you talked about control, like, you know, um, losing control of a property and, and the benefit to having your own property of full control. But then when you're with partners, there's no control. And I know for me, that was a tough one is giving up that control. So what is it that you told yourself or how did you talk yourself through that to be able, because I know you're also a bit of a control freak. So what, what is it that you did in order to be able to let go? Because I think that's a big part of being able to make that shift into a partnership is being able mm -hmm. to let go of that control. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's so much control as it is the fact that, you know, with many partnerships, there's a start and an end date, right? You plan the exit, you know, again, it might shift, but a lot of the joint venture projects are, you know, five years or 10 years. And, you know, many of the stuff that we have just, you know, myself and Matt are essentially infinite. And if we want to sell it, we can at any time. And so I think that, you know, one of the things that is important is, 
you know, just making sure that we have similar goals. Like, so with my partners, what is, is the goal of this property? What do we want to do with it? Um, and, you know, it is like a marriage as well. Like you've got to have, you know, integrity and trust. That's, that's, you know, definitely important. But, you know, I think there's also something to be said about having a mix of both, right? So you still have your, you know, your properties that you have full control over that's going to give you your own cash flow. And then you can still, you know, as well add a portion that's with partners. I don't think that, you know, there's anything wrong with that. I think everybody's going to have, you know, the way that they want to do things, the way that they want to scale. Um, but I think finding the right partners is going to be key. Uh, and, you know, again, I, I also, I think learned last few years just about like delegating and hiring and, you know, making sure a, that you have the right partners or the right people in place that can do probably what you're, you were doing the same or even better. Um, and, you know, finding the right partners or, or finding the right JV partners, right? Somebody that's bringing the money and the financing as an example, you know, do they have a similar goals? Do they, we have a similar, um, you know, because again, that is, you know, a long term, at least, you know, five years of, of working together. Um, and so, you know, there might be partners that are not for me or vice versa or me, not for them. And I think it's just a matter of, you know, not making every Thing, try to fit if it doesn't fit it doesn't fit but um you know having those conversations and figuring out what everybody's vision is and you know if it doesn't match up then that might not be the right partners for you if it does um then you know trust that they're bringing something to the table that they're good at and you know do what you're good at and I think that's you know that's something that like as I put my lifestyle first and foremost I don't need to be involved in the entire process I think it's just a matter of you know, partnering with the right people or hiring the right people that you trust. Yeah. You mentioned if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. At the end of the day, you know, one of the things that I love to say is don't try to fit a square peg into a round hole. And I think a lot of people try to make things work. Um, of course, you got to compromise to see if it, if it works and explore that. But if it doesn't work, it doesn't work and move on. So I think that's a great lesson too. Um, instead of trying to swim against the uh, tide, you know, roll with it and, and life's so much better that way. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. So I need to know the adults only resort. Is it clothing optional? Because <laughs> <laughs> you said you're having oh, a little bit of fun with it. Is it going to be one of those resorts? <laughs> no, it is not going to be one of those resorts. So it is going to be, I think we're going to do 16 plus. It's just like, think about it. You're an adult and you want to resort. Like I go to a lot of like adults only all inclusives and they're not like a swingers place. They're not like clothing optional, like, you know, like the secrets or, you know, the sandals <laughs> or whatnot. Like it's just a nice, quiet, you know, upscale type of environment. And that's, that's what we're creating with this. Um, awesome. And so I think we're going to do 16 plus, you know, I think by then, you know, people that go are going to want to have that experience um, we're going to, we're going to offer it to, you know, do micro weddings or, uh, corporate events and that kind of stuff. So I think that's kind of what we're, we're trying to create that, you know, ability to relax, but have fun and enjoy the beach. And you know what, if you go to an adults only resort, very, very, something very, very similar, right? I am all in. So as soon as it opens, I want, I want the link because I will be one of your first guests. I am all over that. And my kids, come to the retreat. 
yeah, no, I like my, and my kids are all at that age now where I can bring them along with me and make sure there's a great spa because I'm all over that too. So, um, but I'm in, I'm in. So yeah, I'm definitely make sure that I'm on the list when you're sending out your notice to everybody that it's opening up because I definitely want to be We are going to be open as of this summer. Oh, fun. Five cottages. I mean, it's it's going to be in phases. This is a five year project, but we'll have our first five cottages done this summer, uh, and then we've got a retreat, a real estate investor retreat in August, um, and yeah, and then every year. So next year we're going to add the main reception area. We're going to add four additional cottages, and so we're going to build off, off on it every single year from there. It'll, it'll oh, take fantastic. about five years. Five years. So I'll have completion. to go back every year and uh, and see the progress. Then is Let's that it? So new. August. So if people want to people want to go to your retreat, your real estate retreat in August, how do we connect with you? How do we reach out to Sarah and uh, talk about lifestyle? Yeah, I mean, they can send me an email, sarah at sarahlarby.com or on Instagram, which I got back now. It's uh, investor Sarah Larby. I was hacked for a bit. <laughs> oh, no, that's crazy. It's, uh, it is back. So I would just say Instagram or the email, send me, send me an email. Um, right now, we are just over half sold out. So depending on when this airs, then, uh, but yeah, reach out. Okay. That's awesome. So if you want to connect with Sarah, that's how you connect with her. We'll have all of that in the show notes. So, um, if you're driving, don't stress, uh, but writing it down, you can just look up the show notes and all the information and her socials will be in the profile as well as her bio. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've got part two and part three already. So I want to invite you back for Sarah. I've got like (laughs) Sarah, how to convince your partner, um, to buy and to Airbnb <laughs> and, and also like how to, how to do, how to structure your life with partners. So deal structures and partnerships and how to pick the right partner. I think those mm-hmm. are great topics to talk about that you have more than like just the experience that you have, the level of understanding, I think it'd be so valuable. So, um, hopefully you'll come back after, after the summer break though. Right. <laughs> I, would lo- I would love to anytime after Labor Day. Absolutely. So guys, if you want to connect with Sarah, that's how you connect with her. Sarah, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Is there any like um, last minute advice you want to give to anybody who's starting out in real estate? You were corporate, they're corporate. They want to switch out into uh, real estate. Any final words of wisdom? I mean, lots for sure. I think (laughs) if I had to pick one thing right now is we're, we're coming into some uncertainty and some uncertain times. If you are a savvy investor, this could be the best opportunity that we have um, in, you know, even the last two to three years, there used to be 20 offers, 30 offers. Now that like things are stabilizing and rates are increasing, I think this could be, you know, again, for the long-term investor, an amazing opportunity. And so, you know, work with, with getting your team set up, mortgage brokers, you know, your accountants, tax, you know, um, lawyers and, and everybody that you want to have on your team so that you can execute and, you know, it could, is the market going to drop? Probably, you know, how much we don't know, but is it going to come back up at some point? Absolutely. So I think it's just a matter of finding the right cash flowing opportunities, working with the right team uh, and, you know, and, and taking some action that's calculated along the way without being scared. And it's all about mindset. Yeah, definitely taking action. I think that's where people get stuck. Um, and mm-hmm. so if you're too scared to take action, partner with somebody who knows what they're doing or find out what you need to do and get educated. So there it is. Oh, also actually talk about getting edge. You do, do you still coach? Um, yes, a little bit. So they can reach out to me for that as well. Um, okay. 
I do, I'll take on like one or two one-on-one clients. I'm, I'm slowing that down just because I'm really ramping up the acquisitions piece and I've got to get the resort all up and running, but um, like one, one or two, I'm not doing it the same extent that I used to be just because of all the projects <laughs> that I also gotcha. have to focus on. Gotcha. And my but- lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? At, and that's first, right? That's top of your list. So, but you know what? At the end of the day, I, I firmly believe in education. Education gives you the confidence to be able to take action. Um, and so, and, and I just remembered that you also did some coaching. So um, if uh, you're resonating with Sarah and you want to learn more about learning with Sarah, you can also reach out to her for that. And on that note, we're going to wrap it up. And I want to thank everybody in the audience for your loyalty and for coming back every week and listening to the podcast. I hope you're out there taking action. And of course, Sarah, always, always, always a pleasure to see you. And uh, I thank you so much for coming on the show. And I am looking forward to having you back. Thank you so much. And great job on getting this podcast out there. I know it uh, takes a lot of work and effort. So, but you're, you're doing amazing and uh, I'm, I'm honored to be on. Likewise. Okay. Awesome. So guys, um, Sarah Larby, this is Danielle Chason signing off for the Let's Get Real Estate podcast. This is where real people do real estate. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast and congratulations on improving your education real estate. Please leave a review only if you felt we provided value as it would really help us if you would leave a five-star review so that we can help reach a broader audience. And don't forget to comment what you enjoyed and tell us what you're looking to learn more about. As always, thanks for your support and we'll see you on the next episode.